afternoon, Troubadours, and welcome to a very, very special episode of You Call That Radio, where we're actually going to speak with the incredible Rowetta, probably the most important voice in music history, in my opinion. And it was great to have a chat with her. I really appreciate her taking the time to speak to us, and she gave some great stories about her career, some advice for up-and-coming singers, and also explains how her and Bez get kicked off bargain hunt for cheating. So it was just a, it was just great to speak to her. And yeah, none of this would be possible. I still wouldn't be able to do a podcast if it wasn't for all our patrons out there. We get no funding, no sponsors, no adverts. But thanks to the generosity of our patrons who support us at patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. It's meant that we've been able to do over 350 live streams since lockdown began, as well as the audio podcast and doing blogs and stuff on youcallthat.com as well. So I really appreciate everybody who supports us on there. It also means that I've managed to be able to get a new Jackal Trades album out the other a few weeks ago called At This Point. So you can, if you've not heard that yet, you can check it out on Spotify. Uh, or, or whatever it is you, you get your music. Apart from Apple, there was there's a problem with Apple, but you can get it jackaltrades.bandcamp.com or Spotify or whatever. And yeah, it, none of that wouldn't be possible without the Patreon. So if you think, you know, I can, I think this is worth three pound a month, then you can go to patreon.com forward slash you call that radio, and you also get some bonus content, and you go into your name goes in at the heart of the big mad raffle. We give away some amazing prizes. Last week at Doing the Rabbit Hole, we gave away festival tickets, gig tickets, a day's recording at Carrollton Studios, and free venue hire from Kinnan Park Complex, who have done some amazing work over lockdown, including delivering meals to people who couldn't get out of the house and stuff. So thank you to everyone who donated a prize to the Big Mad Raffle. And congratulations to all our patrons who won, and won big. And it's just been quite a positive thing. I went to my first gig on Friday. First proper gig I've been to since all this chaos happened. And it was great to see Joe Art, Becky Wallace, Dr Normal and Joe Jive doing their thing at the Icebox. There's some live videos on our YouTube channel that you can check out if you, if you missed it. So yeah, check out the YouTube channel if you've not already. There's loads of stuff on there. And... I'm hoping to get some, some a special audio podcast coming out from Shambhala Festival this weekend. The Twistettes are playing at 2 o'clock on the Friday. And then the following week, it's Linda's Farm Festival, which is going to be my first gig since December 2019. Gyro Babies, full band, live. We're a bit rusty, but we're getting there. We are getting there, definitely. We will be ready by the 2nd of September. So catch us at 8 o'clock. On the Viking Brewhouse stage, Linda's Farm is a magical festival, so absolutely buzzing to be part of it. And yeah, the other last thing is, is post Cold Prom Queen have an album out this week. All the money goes to Refugee, which is a, Gla- a Glasgow charity that helps out refugees. And yeah, the album's called Music for Hypercapitalists, and there's a track on it from myself, Jackal Trades, called Familiar Forward as well. So check that out on your streaming platforms. And if you enjoy it, then please do consider buying it on Bandcamp. 
I believe it's available on digital download, or it's a packet of Raymond noodles with a barcode on it. So that's my understanding. But all the proceeds go to Refugee. So it's a great cause, it's a great album, and thanks to Postcode Prom Queen for inviting me to do a wee song on it. So it's exciting times. Uh, good to see that music's back. Obviously, we're not out the woods yet, so we still need to be safe, but it's exciting to see music returning. I've really, really missed it. So, and um, I really appreciate Rowetta taking the time to speak to me because she's obviously very busy. She's backing about it. She's gigging with the Mondays and her various other projects. A proper legend, and I really appreciate her taking the time to speak to me. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I do. Final shout-out, thank you to Murfamish for mixing and mastering the audio to make it sound nice for you today. And I hope you enjoy it. Uh, this is Rowetta from the Happy Mondays on You Call That Radio. You call that radio, radio, radio. More like a TV show, TV show, TV show. On almost every night, every night, every night. It's gonna be streaming live, Brilliant. streaming live, Okay. Live. Hello and um, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm absolutely buzzing. Rowetta, how are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. I had a really busy week, but um, I had a bit of a day off yesterday and I feel great today. Amazing. What's it like? Because obviously nothing really happened for about a year or so and now it looks like you're, you're busy again. Yeah, I'll be honest, it was 19 months with no gigs. Uh, but I've not stopped working. I've recorded loads and that's kept me going. I have a studio at home. Without that, I think I'd have gone absolutely mad because um, the music, even even um, things like pubs and stuff, they did open a little bit. But with the music industry, we just weren't allowed to perform. I even went to Ibiza and was told I wasn't allowed to sing because it would encourage people to dance. So it really, really just threw me. And, you know, personally, it really, really upset me. I, I got really low. I don't get depressed, but I was getting there, you know. Well, that's, uh, I mean, there's a few, I know that based on the different levels, there was times where there was like a, a small amount of music was allowed and, you know, sort of background music in restaurants and stuff. But the music you do requires on people getting on their feet and dancing. Well, even if it doesn't, just singing in a microphone, singing into a microphone wasn't allowed. So I did a couple of uh, virtual streams for charity and even those people would come and try and get me to stop singing in a microphone. So it wasn't even just you know, um, performing with bands. I, I do, I don't just sing house music. I do all kinds of music and I wasn't allowed to do any of it. And, you know, I do a lot of balls and stuff for charity. I wouldn't have been able to do anything like that because we weren't allowing the, any level of music at all, even without the dancing. But um, certainly in Ibiza, I wasn't allowed to do it because I would encourage people to dance. But over here, I was just upset that I couldn't even, couldn't even get up and sing in a friend's pub or a friend's bar if I wanted to when they were open which just seemed ridiculous to me. I didn't get it. But um, anyway, it's over now. Hopefully, hopefully we don't it's go back. Fingers crossed it's, it's over for good. And, yeah. and it's, so have you, have you just went, has it just been 100 miles an hour straight back into it? Busy, because you said it was a really busy week last week. Yeah. Has it just been straight into it or has it been gradually coming back into the, the... Well, the bookings, like getting things rescheduled, that was, it was building slowly and I was a bit worried because I was seeing other people getting loads and loads of gigs coming in. And then all of a sudden, I've looked at my diary and I can't fit stuff in, which is amazing because a lot of the rescheduled stuff, they're trying to reschedule for the same days because a lot of people want you to do it on a Saturday, a Friday night or a Sunday. 
uh, bank holidays and stuff. So I'm having to turn down some of the gigs that I had now that are being rescheduled because they're clashing like with Monday's gigs, my solo gigs, stuff in Ibiza and Mallorca and things. So it's it's brilliant, but it's I mean it's a great position to be in. Last week I thought I had four gigs, and then I got two extra ones with Gorillas with Sean Ryder singing with Gorillas at the O2. So, I mean, I've just had the most amazing week, um, ending with a great gig with the Mondays um, at Stone Valley Festival South. We're actually playing the North one there in September. It was fantastic. And um, so, yeah, it's just just had a really great six gigs in a week, but they're all brilliant, different private parties, um, all sorts. But it's been, yeah, really, really great. And singing all different kinds of music. I did Hacienda Classics at one night. And I did um, Happy Bundy's another, Gorillas Dare another. So just honestly, I'm buzzing because I'm really buzzing because I've not done it for so long. And then all of a sudden you do it. And I thought I'd be exhausted by the end of it, but I'm not. I'm just buzzing for the next one, which is great. What was it like? I've seen some footage of the, the Gorillas gig. It was, it was a free gig they'd done for the NHS workers. Is that right? What was, what was the atmosphere like at that? Yeah, the first night was. And then it was a sold out Gorillas gig the second night. So the first night, it was obviously it was brilliant because it was for a great, great cause. All the people there were either NHS workers or the families. And, um, well, most of them. I did have a few mates that I know must have known Damon Alban and got in. But um, it was just a fantastic, fantastic um, atmosphere. And, and it's huge. The O2 is huge. It's one of the larger places in the UK. And um, the buzz was just amazing. The production they put on is phenomenal. You know, I mean, we put on a good production, Happy Mondays, and I do a lot of festivals where it's a good production. Things like Glastonbury are massive. But honestly, Gorilla's uh, production is as good or better than most. Uh, it's just fantastic with the with the visuals, the band, the 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 back, backstage people. There's loads of, like, um, tour managers, uh, just tour managers looking after everybody. And there was Robert Smith from The Cure, Lee John from Imagination. There were just loads and loads of different stars backstage. And it was just um, the coolest thing to do. And then the following night, we did it to a sold-out Gorillaz um, audience, which where they knew all the words to every song. So it was a different experience again. Um, I was terrified. Please don't get the words wrong in front of Gorillaz. I, I literally had a few days to learn the song. And um, But when me and Sean came off the stage as we were coming off, Sean, I've not seen him like that for years, where he was just buzzing and saying, God, how good was that? And I was like, no, it was, it, was just, it was just phenomenal. It really, really was. And was it so? so Sunday, sorry, uh, was that your first gig back with the Mondays then? No, it's the second one actually. But the first one was a festival um, we did called Car Fest with Chris Evans. But I think the audience there was a little bit more mixed. We went on after McFly, so it was a good <laughs> gig. It was a good gig, but you know what I mean. It was more of a very young family audience, pop audience, really. Um, so if you go on after McFly, then they might not know all the tunes. <laughs> and Sean got lost. I couldn't find the stage backstage. Um, so he got he went missing. So we had to only do about half an hour of it anyway. But it was it was a nice half hour, it was a nice welcome back. But this one this week, Stone Valley Festival, was more proper. It was more of a we were headlining. Uh, we went on after the selector who I love. Uh, there were people like Bad Manners, the Selector Skids, uh, Sham 69. It was a lot of um just great bands, but like more punk. And that's more of our audience. So we had an audience that absolutely loved us, knew all the tunes. And, yeah, it was just brilliant. And I, I um, ended up bringing Jamie Winston on stage for the end for Oak for Luck, uh, Ray Winston's daughter, who's an amazing actress as well and a great girl. So we just had um, a real buzz. It's just a brilliant end to a brilliant week. And um, a real, that was for me, more of a welcome back. Happy Mondays, we're back. And, um, yeah, can't wait for the next one. We've got 
we've got now gigs pretty much every week. We're doing more festivals. And then um, an arena tour at the end of the year with James, the band James, which will be great. Do you know what? I've actually, um, one of my friends is uh, Soapy. He's part of the James fan club. Oh. He, actually, he, he asked me to ask you if you're looking forward to playing again with James in November and how different is it now playing, touring with bands again that they've played with in the 80s and 90s? Well, we've not we've not done it yet. Well, we have. I've I've sung with James actually. I sang with James at the Manchester Arena for Manchester versus Cancer, and I love Tim Booth and and James, and um, I've known him for years. But do you know what? It's really funny with the band James. It used to switch, and it still does. Sometimes we headline, sometimes they do. I think they're headlining the arena tour at the end of the year because they've got a new album out. And they're still creating new music. And we're both pretty big, but uh, James are headlining this one. But it used to. We never know who was going to be headliners. Because we both got a nice, great fan base, and um, yes, yeah, so it's just going to be great. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to it. To be honest, um, doing arenas with our band and with James, the, the audience are in for a real treat. It's going to be yeah. great. I don't know if I'll be singing with James again, which is a shame because I loved it. We did it with an orchestra. Uh, we did the song "Atmosphere" a few years ago. It's beautiful. But um, well, yeah, and I'm looking well, forward record- to it. So I'm right in saying you were recording with the was it the BBC Philharmonic, Philharmonic ask, ask, yeah, Orchestra? Yeah, rehearsing today, rehearsing today. I've worked with them loads, to be honest. We've done lots of gigs together. I first did work with them for Children in Need back in 2005, but I, I'm really, really lucky. I, I did a Christmas concert with them just before lockdown. Um, yeah, so it's like, I remember the first time I did it, I'm like, wow, I'm working with the BBC Philharmonic Orchestra. But I'm, I'm lucky I've got like a big voice that works well with orchestras, and I get asked to sing with orchestras quite a lot. And it's for me, it comes natural. It's as easy for me as singing with a rock band you know and it's, but I'm singing something phenomenal it's I don't even know why I, I said I gave a list of songs that I could sing um for this special event that's happening in September and for some reason I put this one on that I've never sung before and they've gone with that one instead of picking one that I do any, all the time because I was going to do Stop Crying Your Heart Out Oasis because it's a Manchester themed thing we're doing um Anyway, they've gone for this other song. I won't say what it is to spoil the surprise. But all I'll say is it's quite a long song. It's a big song. It's probably one of my favourite Manchester songs. But it'll be amazing with the orchestra. So, uh, yeah, I've just started rehearsing today. Uh, luckily, I don't need to learn the words because there's millions of words. But I'm going to be reading it reading it from a sheet, which is the f- a first for me. I don't normally. But it's more well, for a radio. That's the advantage of, of wearing orchestra. You get one of those little things, what do you call them? Yeah. Uh, just a l- yeah, stand anyway. A yeah, a lectern. It's a lectern, a lectern, but it's, yeah, I call it a stand. No, but the thing is, I don't normally when I sing with an orchestra, normally I know the song backwards, but I've got too, too many gigs before the September the 17th, so it's a lot of words to learn. So instead of putting pressure on myself uh, for one time only, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not, I might, I will know it, but I might not know all the words, and I will have that stand lectern in front of me as a backup, as a, a security blanket. Like a really high-budget karaoke, basically, because you can actually read the words. Well, I don't do karaoke, but... Uh, yeah, but Sean, Sean uses an autocue, um, it's famously, so he's a bit like that, but um, I famously don't. Um, yeah, no, I've, um, I'm not really into karaoke at all, but I know there's a place for it and people love it, but it's not me. And, when, and the odd time I've been dragged into a bar in Tenerife or somewhere and sung a bit of karaoke and then won 50 quid, 50 euros by accident. It's, you know, there's almost blood was shed. It's like, I don't want to enter. I don't want the money. It was just, I'd only go up for a laugh. So, uh, yeah, I don't like, I don't like the, um, sometimes it can get a bit hostile at karaoke. Is it? It's my song. I'm singing that one. It's not really my cup of tea. Uh, what, what, just, what was one thing that, do you think one of the reasons that it's so natural for you to move into orchestra after playing with, so, with rock bands 
is, I, su- I suppose there's an element of there's less, when you're on stage with a rock band and you've got feedback coming from all the, the guitar amps and stuff like that, it's quite a noisy environment to, to try and sort of sing. So I suppose that uh, an orchestra is just a, a lot smoother for um, keeping, you know, keeping yourself together. Not really, because either way, you should have a great monitor man on stage. And obviously, through the years, I've had really bad monitors. I've had um, feedback from all kinds of different gigs. I've had feedback when there's only a keyboard and a drummer. You know, in a working men's club, some of the sounds have been terrible. So I'm used to that, but I know I can sing. I know I can sing well, and you've got to know that. So I'm confident that even if if the music's all sounding terrible, I'd be likely to say, turn it all off, shut up a lot of you and let me just sing. Because if it's painful to me, it's probably painful for the audience uh, or if it's too much feedback. I like like normal guitar feedback, like normal noise. I like it loud. So I'm more likely to say, turn the orchestra up, turn everything up because I really love it loud. I love everything loud on stage, as loud as you can without it distorting. Um, but to me, good music is good music and none of it should be distorted. Um, it should all sound pleasant to the ears and I should be able to hear my voice over it on stage, which I usually can. As I say, I'm really lucky though now because I'm working with people at the top of the game and like BBC Philharmonic, Manchester Camerata's another orchestra I sing with. But I've sung with quite a few orchestras. I'm very, very lucky. And um, yeah, so but you've got top, top people doing the sound. So you can't really go wrong. And the same with the Mondays and a lot of the, you know, the, the clubs I sing in, they're not really, they're not like the working men's clubs they used to do. You've got somebody proper doing the sound at a lot of these festivals and, you know, and the, and the places like even in Ibiza, some of the clubs are singing there. They've got top sound engineers and top monitors and top equipment. So I'm really blessed. But it's because I've learned on a load of really, some really, really bad places I've sung in all over the world, all over the country here. And, you know, even Scotland, I did a Scottish tour of 21 gigs in one weekend, a PA tour. Some of the sounds in some of them clubs weren't as good. Well, you're thinking, <laughs> you just, well, you're literally, this was like, God, it was, this was in the 90s, I think. No, the 80s. I was with Vanilla Sound Club before I joined the Mondays. And we'd go into a club, sing one song, and then out again, have a drink of whiskey, and out again, because that's my favourite drink, obviously. A lot of people know I love me Scotch whiskey. And a one night, I think on the Saturday night, I won it where you've got to guess which whiskey's which. I won. I beat you Scottish guys <laughs> on Scottish whiskey. On which one's on, which? On, on, on Scottish soil as well. What, what is your favourite yeah. whiskey? What's the best? You know what? I, I, like, I like the, the blended rubbish ones. The... the your Johnny Walker, um, famous grouse, Bells. I like that because I drink it with Diet Pepsi. And, and so it's, it's wasted. If you give me a good whiskey, it's wasted on me. I just drink, as, as they say, the cheap shit, and I love it. It's me, but I don't drink anything else, to be honest. When I'm in Ireland, I sometimes have a Bushmills. I used to drink Bushmills quite, for quite a long time. But in honesty, I really do prefer me cheap, Bells, famous grouse, Johnny Walker. And when they give me the Johnny Walker expensive one, I prefer the, I prefer the red label. You know, not just because of the price, because it just goes down easier. But um, yeah, but I've learned now not to drink too much. Just have a couple um, and go to bed early. Otherwise, you can't you can't do as many gigs as I do. And I'm driving a lot as well. So you can't be drinking loads and loads. But when I was young, I really did enjoy my whiskey. Yeah, that's what I was. I always wondered because obviously, it, when, my, when my band goes on tour, we only play like a weekend tour, maybe a few festivals or a, a few gigs over the over a, a long weekend. So just yeah. the idea of playing, what you know, going on a thirty-day tour with Happy Mondays and party, yeah. something's got to give. It can't just keep do, like go full full on the whole time. Well, it's very difficult when your best mate's Bez. I do find it easier when I do gigs without him. This week, the reason I've been managed to do last week six gigs, I managed to go to bed early every night is because I was only with Bez on the last night. 
and that's the only night I'd late up. And it wasn't that late anyway, because he went on his, on his holidays. But honestly, we did a 30-day tour of the UK, and that was a lot of late nights. Because we do after parties. Me and Bez usually do an after party as well. So we can be up till four, and then everyone back to the hotel. So what we need to do is to stop saying, come back to the hotel. We need to sleep. And, we, and we've learned to do it as we've got older. We did Australia and New Zealand, and that was a sold-out tour, brilliant. But we were, me and Bess were doing after parties till four and then getting on a plane at six and then having to, I had to go to sound check in the afternoon of wherever we'd like in Perth. We'd go from one end of Australia to the other, one side to the other. And we just ran on adrenaline and not drinking too much and managing to sleep. Just, you've just got to make yourself sleep. Um, and I thought it was because the older you get, but to be honest, we just perform better and look better and we are healthier. Whatever age we were, I wish I'd done it a bit younger because I gave up smoking about 10 years ago. And you just feel better for it. Bez doesn't smoke weed now. He doesn't smoke anything. And we just, I think if we'd have done, carried on smoking, me and my cigarettes and his weed, I think that would have, um, we'd have struggled a bit now. But you know, he's, um, he's, he's actually training to be championship boxing or celebrity boxing or something at the moment. So he's in Is really he? good nick. Yeah. Oh, he, and he's been doing MasterChef. He's doing well on. So he's in really good, um, good nick. But yeah, he's, he's, so he's trying, trying to go to bed early a little bit more. Um, because he, he used to be hard work keeping up with him in the past, but then he, I don't know, he had a break from passing for a bit. And when we got back together again, it was me going, come on, Bez, stay up. And he's going, no, I'm going to bed because he, he'd have his young son the next day. So he'd want to go to bed. My kids are grown now, so I want to party all night. But yeah, we've, got, we've hit, we've hit a, bit, bit of a brick wall now where we can only do a couple of nights on a row, in a row and then we've got to have a night in. Well, I actually bumped into Be- Bez once uh, Eden Festival, and I, well, I just spoke to him briefly, and it was it was, just, mm-hmm. it was really nice and down to earth. But it was kind of everybody was just wanting to get a photo taken with him, so I, I let I let let him to it. But I mean, he, he seems to be he seems to be really busy just now. In, in general, you just mentioned the like um, celebrity boxing, Master Chef. Yeah, and, I mean, and I seen I seen Bez and Sean doing is it is it the goggle box or like yeah the, the TV? Well, Sean loves doing TV anyway. He's been doing it since he did the Jungle. And like Bez did Big Brother, but he didn't really. And I did X Factor. We did years and years ago, 2004, like 17 years ago or something. But we never really, we didn't enjoy all that reality stuff and doing the TV. But now since Bez and Sean have done Gogglebox, they're loving doing, you know, they get offered a lot and they say yes a lot. And it um, makes them a lot of money. It's done them well during lockdown, which is great for them. And they, But they really enjoy it. And I'm loving the, the, um, the nation, loving them. It's been brilliant. I think, you know, and I've been asked to do a few things, but really I've been really concentrating on my music. So, but I'll probably do something, but I just want to be selective. I don't want to just do Mr. and Mrs. And like Sean loves doing all them telly things. I just still, you know, sometimes you think it's hard to get shake them off when you do. I've done a few things for um, BBC Music Day. I did Pointless Celebrities with Sean and I did um, Bargain Hunt with Bez. But we got done yeah. for cheating. We got done for cheating. I see. But it, <laughs> I know. So oh, it's really fun. Was that true? Where are you cheating? Well, because his girl... Well, Bez kept saying we bought a load of rubbish, so we're not going to get any money for it. So his, his girlfriend was in the audience. We didn't know, but she started bidding, thinking she was helping. But then nobody else bid after her. So we ended up winning our own stuff. But she didn't know, <laughs> and he's kicking off. Like, she was going, eight pounds! And we didn't know, because we were in another room. So we didn't know. But everything was fine, and we won. And then we went home, and then we got a call from the producers saying that they wouldn't be able to put it out, because it looked like we were cheating and we're like, what? So we'd have to go and refilm it. And Jarvis Cocker said he wouldn't come and refilm it, film it. Cause it, it is, it's filmed in the middle of nowhere, somewhere in the middle of Kent. So it's about four hours to get there. And um, so Jarvis didn't want to come back and do it, but we did. And it was, we had another funny day. So um, 
Yeah, but ban- it, yeah, she's unbanned banned from bargain hunt. No, I think we're going to have us on again. I think we just asked to do Antique Roadshow as well. So, uh, no, it makes, you know, I think it's ratings were the biggest ever, to be honest, because they repeat it when people know. They just go, how can you cheat on Bargain Hunt? And <laughs> all my mates were asking me when I said we've been done for cheating. How? You can't. And I went, I know, so you just got to watch it. So a lot of people just watched it out of curiosity. And um, and again, we came across, came out of it well. So um, it's all good. And you mentioned you mentioned um, about uh, Stop Crying Your Heart Out was one of the songs you wanted to do with the orchestra. That was also one of the songs that you wanted to do in X Factor as well. Yeah, it was. It was uh, it's years ago, but 17 years ago. I ended up being the last woman standing. But every song that I wanted to sing, I wasn't really allowed to do. Just to try and bring it back and make myself a bit cool again. Um, rather than just this, I just auditioned. I did a mad audition drunk and then people going, what are you doing that for? But uh, I did it for my grandma and she was really happy and I uh, did well out of it. But um, yeah, I was a bit pissed off. They wouldn't let me do Stop Crying Your Heart Out because Liam was really, I really had his support during the show and a lot of um, cool people were supporting me and backing me. And I would have loved to have done it. And I thought it was a great song. I ended up doing it though for the Mr. and Mrs. Smith uh, soundtrack with uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. So um, it did all right. Got on that soundtrack. Um, and that's, so yeah, it was, so it was good. So, um, it, you know, it would have done well on the x Factor, but it's just a show. Probably it might have made me win, and that maybe that's why they didn't want me to sing it. <laughs> so, so between because I, I watched your audition, and I, I wasn't sure if if you were if that was part of the act. Obviously, I know that reality. It was seventeen years ago, though. Seventeen yeah, years I, ago, so I don't I don't really. If you're gonna ask me anything about the X Factor, I don't really no, remember don't, that much. I don't I don't really know much. I don't really watch X Factor, so I don't have any. X-Factor it's finished really now, apparently. It's finished now, but I didn't watch it years, but. It was the so very first. It was. It was the very first episode. You just turned up and did the audition. You just went. You just done the audition drunk for a laugh, basically. No, I wasn't. I wasn't just drunk. I had nicotine patches on, but nobody, Boy. nobody believes me. Everyone thinks I was just drunk. Now I had three nicotine patches on. Anyone who knows me, I can handle my drink a bit better than that. I'm not really yeah. as bad as that. That was like weird, uh, but it was a long time ago. I don't know what happened, but I did have three nicotine patches on. And that's the truth. Was a, so it was. A, it was a, it did. It, it did do good for your career, though. There was a. There was a. Because from that, there was a lot of other things. That it, it sometimes, in in some ways, you no. Know, I got. I got like a really great gay audience, which is fantastic. So I did all the prides, um, and I wasn't doing much while that was going on. So yes, yeah, so it was fine. And my grandma, as I said, my grandma was really proud. Ended up with. She wanted me to be famous, and she didn't see Happy Mondays as. She didn't get it. Happy Mondays. She didn't get the house music stuff. So whatever I'd done in the past. She just didn't understand why I wasn't on TV like her favourite singers because she said you're as good as anybody. So it just, it made a day and she ended up with newspaper cuttings all over a wall. But as I said, it's about 17 years ago and it took me a long yeah. time to shake that tag. Um, and well, I, was last, you... last, I was the last woman standing. I'm proud of that still. I think it's for all the people who enter, considering I did this mad audition, I think it's pretty, uh, I did really well. Amazing. Amazing. Well, we'll get off at X Factor. I've got a question from Jodie Ark, who's in my band, The Gyro Baby. She's also an amazing uh, punk duo. That's a good name. I like the name of fans. Good. Yeah, thank you. And um, she's in a punk duo called The Twistettes, and she's also in a, a solo electro uh, band called Whenever Wakes. And she, she was asking, because what's the pros and cons of being a solo artist compared to playing in a band? Because she's working on her new projects, basically. She's going out as a solo artist. So she's just wondering what the difference, the pros and cons are, because... Obviously, I imagine there's, there's a bit no, of the, no, the pros of doing everything is that you don't get bored with one thing. I do everything. I do rock bands. I do ballads at, at balls. Um, I write songs all the time, but all different genres. Um, I, I do sing with orchestras. I do everything. I'm writing a book at the moment. I'm doing everything that I want to do because I'm at an age where I can and I've proved myself now. 
Um, I'm sampled a lot in house music and things. Um, but yeah, it's doing everything so you don't get bored. And, you know, because I, do, I don't I get offered to do, or I've been offered to do a lot of musicals, but I don't want to do the same show every night in a theatre, the same theatre for six weeks. I don't know if I could, I, don't, I could do it, but I, don't, I might be pretty bored if I didn't do anything else. So I've, I've not wanted to do that. I may do one day, one day if I feel really, really settled and happy and there's a role that I really want to play, maybe. But the idea of um, just going out and singing for a bit in Chicago doesn't do it for me um, for six weeks. So I would need, um, I like variety in my life and my music. And um, yeah, and in, in my, even in my friends, I go to different countries to spend time with different friends. So that's that's what I think it keeps me fresh as well. And it keeps my music fresh. It keeps my inspiration for songwriting fresh. Just doing lots and lots of different things and then never getting bored with one genre. That's why I don't get bored with singing with the Mondays because I do loads in between. And I've been singing those songs for years since the, started in 1990. But I don't get bored with them because I add things to them now because I do different kinds of music. So I'll probably add a little bit of a house, you know, hook in over something uh, one night. And if it works, I'll do it again. And that's what I do. And of course, I mean, the, the songs that you're singing with the Happy Mondays as well, they are just so good. And yeah. you know, every every pub and club around the, the country, every weekend or every even weeknight, as soon as they kick, up, kick in, people get excited. Never mind when it's happening live in front of you. I've seen Happy Mondays. Definitely. Many but even the, even the, incredible. Even the, songs that, even the songs that aren't played every week in the pubs, like the well-known ones, they're just really good songs. You know, even the ones that weren't dead popular at the time, a lot of people are saying now they are great, you know, really good songs, good melodies, great lyrics, um, and, you know, great band playing them. I'm dead good on them. I'm dead proud of what I do with the Mondays. Everybody on the on each record, to be honest, and that's not being big-headed, that's just truth and why these songs, I think, have lasted. And I tell you what, we always go down amazingly in Scotland. I love Glasgow's my favourite place to play in the world. Barrowlands was my favourite gig at the time ever. Obviously, I've played some amazing gigs since, but I always got asked, when we toured the Mondays the first time around, where's your favourite gig to play? And we'd just done Maracana Stadium. We'd done Wembley. We'd done all over the world and, and Glastonbury. And I used to say Barrowlands. So there you go. Yeah, I, I've got to agree with you as well. I've not played all those places, but I've been fortunate enough to play the Barras a few times yeah. myself. And I think it's just that... It's that um, Nice size of crowd, isn't it? Because yeah, exactly. Sometimes when you get to the, the, you know, you start getting to bigger, bigger, and bigger stadiums or whatever, you can sometimes lose a bit of the atmosphere. But the bar is the 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 crowd are locked in, the floor's bouncing. Yeah, and, and it just makes for an amazing. I mean, atmosphere. I've done it with I've done it with another band supporting Ocean Ocean Colour Scene. I can't remember what the band was, but I have done it with another band. It wasn't the same. I must admit, it's a different audience. Ocean Colour Scene to the Mondays. But the Mondays crowd in a Barrowlands that year, whatever it was in the 90s, 1992 or whatever it was, was just perfect, perfect time and the perfect gig, the perfect venue and the perfect crowd from Glasgow. I just loved it. So it's one of my favourite memories ever. But obviously, uh, sometimes Glastonbury with David Bowie watching at the side, that's got to be right. It's a few now. You know, we've done quite a few. Wembley Stadium, when we did played with Oasis, was amazing. So I've, I've got lots of great, great memories. But um, Barrowlands is up there, by the way. And also, I loved watching Stone Roses at Glasgow Green. Amazing. I was at that gig as well. Yeah. I was incredible. Yeah, incredible. It was, it was it was amazing to see those songs played live. Again. Well, they're all they were all. I loved them all. All their reunion gigs, I loved. But Glasgow Green again, it's the crowd. There's something about Glasgow. And Manny says it. Loads of people 
in bands have said the same thing. There's something about a Glasgow crowd. I have to be careful because then you get people from Dublin going, what about us? And Manchester, obviously, saying, what about us? But you've got everywhere for the Mondays, but I'm just saying. It's 80% Scottish listeners here anyway, so everyone will, will be enjoying that. And you yeah, it's, it's the truth, though. I don't just say it in Scotland. I've always said it. You can check any interviews I've ever said. That's the truth. And it's uh, you're playing. We might as well plug the gig. You're playing with James on the thirtieth of November at the Hydro, which we mentioned earlier on as well. So that yeah, that's... I played there a couple of times before. I think I did it with Hassi and the Classical last time, and so I'm really looking forward to playing it with the Mondays. Um, I think it'll be even better because uh, yeah, if we just you can't beat Happy Mondays in Glasgow. I just I don't think you can beat it because every, everyone they just they know and loved us. They've been to gigs that haven't been that good in the past. And they still loved it. So have we. Because the crowd, it's like a football crowd for us, you know. And um, for me, when if you play a tune they like that crowd, it's just like someone's just scored a goal, a hat trick, you know, that's when you everything. So, yeah, it's an amazing so, you, feeling. Well, just going back to the, the book that you're writing, because obviously it must be quite good to sort of, is, is, it, is it based on, is it your story basically that you're working on? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, been, and, it's been good fun to kind of go go back into the past. No, it's get the no, or? no, it's not been. I've not enjoyed it. That's why it's taking so long for me to decide. I've only decided now that I'm going to do it um, because I've tried and tried and tried. And I've started, started. So I've been offered deals before, but I've never been ready. I've, I've had um, quite some horrible things happen in my life. So it's, I found it really hard um, to go over some of it. But then I realised you don't have to cover everything. There are bits I can just leave out. If it's too hurtful, so and I'm, you know, I've grown up now. I'm, um, I've sat and had a proper chat with a proper publisher. They actually, I was flown to Mallorca and went on somebody's yacht, and I still not signed the book deal. But um, I'm, I'm, it's looking really, really good. It's somebody who really, really wants to bring this book out. So um, yeah, so I've got a lot of it done, but I'm going to get with um, another writer and do it properly, and it will be done. But um, yeah, so I'm, um, I'm just, I'm just not doing as many of these. Um, talking about my life anymore not not as many because i do need to get it all into a book and um get it done because um yeah a lot of women don't do it from manchester they've not got a story and uh, my story is unusual you know i have a politician dad who was shot um so there's lots and lots of stuff and a lot of people know i came from a very very violent marriage so um you know and got out of it so i'm not going to go into it over and over again now i'm going to put it all in a book that's actually great and what about the writing process it in itself you said it was a bit of a struggle at first have you have you got into a kind of flow with it and no that's what i'm getting getting now yeah. i just i've just had to choose someone to do the book with where i can put yeah. it all together what i've done is record and write lots and lots of bits of my story and then get too upset and stop but i've got it all saved there so it's putting all that together and that's what i will do so um i've just been waiting for the right time to be honest and now i know i don't have to put every single detail into the book then it's going to make it easier for me. But uh, yeah, I've got lots and lots of notes scribbled down, lots of stuff in my phone, lots of stuff on my MacBook. And um, it's getting all that together when I get some time off. Probably after the um, arena tour, I'll really do that. But what I'm going to do for now is each week, I will be doing at least a couple of days of uh, chatting with the other writer. I'm just going, as I say, it's a bit of a complicated process, but just going through it now and sorting out my book deal, which is uh, it's exciting for me though, because... Um, there's a great story there, but it was, it was, um, I just, I just didn't think I'd want to tell it, but it, it, you know, lots of people want to read it and it will inspire, hopefully, especially women, not just women, but it'll inspire people. You know, you can come from nothing and lose everything and come back. And, um, yeah. And instead of just saying it on a little podcast for people about domestic violence, when people want to talk about mental health on a podcast, and I don't think a lot of them are qualified to be doing mental health shows. 
um, it can make it can mess people up even more. So I want to stop doing anything to do with mental health or um, even domestic violence. I find it too hard because speak about it and try and do campaigns or take part. Well, then you get people who are in the situation now contacting me, wanting me to help them, but it's not really my job. Or you know, I'm I'm not trained to help them. I'm just somebody who's been through it. So all I can do is give them the numbers and the emails and the websites. But really, they don't want that. They want to talk to me about it, and it's like. I can't, and it brings me proper down. So, so that is uh, waiting for me to save it all for my book, and then it'll be put away and done. And hopefully, I'll feel better for doing it. It should be cathartic. Should make me feel better. Hopefully, and if it doesn't, then I'll stop and won't the book won't come out. It's a very good observation that there is a lot of podcasts that kind of go down uh, those routes, and they aren't qualified to be giving people no. news. And uh, yet they do it anyway. Um, but what, what I would actually like to ask your advice on, well, uh, um, Ashley Crossan and Lou McLean were asking me to ask you about, um, for, for vocal care routines, um, are, are, uh, what kind of vocal exercises that you do. Um, they're both great singers, and I was just wondering uh, uh, what, what your process is. is there I don't do there? anything. No. <laughs> I don't do anything. I used to have a cigarette <laughs> or two, and a whiskey, and Diet Coke, <laughs> that's it. And I go, yeah, baby, just before I go on. That's all I do. Are you supposed to do stuff? <laughs> but I don't do yeah. anything. I've never had a lesson. Somebody tried to teach me and she went, oh, I can't teach you. But I did the exercise and it's like, no, you can't because I'm a better singer. And I don't need to really be taught how to breathe. I just think about the lyrics. And that's the, I always think about the lyrics. I don't sing songs. I've done a couple that I don't, didn't like the words of and it didn't mean anything to me. And then I decided I'm not going to do that again. And so I write most of my lyrics. And if I'm singing somebody else's songs, they have to make sense to me. I have to connect with the lyrics. And that's why I sing songs well. People connect. It doesn't matter if I've done a perfect vocal. A lot of the time I sound like I have because people have connected to the song and make people cry. Not because it's bad, but because it might not be perfect, as I've said, but it touches people. And that's what always got me into singing, that I have this way of portraying a song and singing the words. And a lot of singers have it, whatever genre you sing. Um, but um, yeah, it's um, it's like having a natural soul coming from your soul without being soul music necessarily. Even if it's punk, I have this natural thing that comes from your heart and soul. And I've always sung like that. The the thing I do do though, if I've got a bit of a tickly throat and stuff, because I know it's best to warm up. But because Tim Booth warms up doing that, oh, la, 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 and I find it really embarrassing. I'm like, who the fuck would do that in front of people? But he does. But it's probably better. Than, I mean, I'm sure I'd be a better. I'd do a better performance if I did all that shit. But I don't. What I do though now is, and this, um, this, this when when I was having like problems with my throat because I smoked and ended up giving up smoking, which she said. She also said, if you're embarrassed about doing warm up, so you don't want to, just hum. So when I'm on the way to a gig, if I'm driving, I hum. Just hum in the car, and it clears your throat rather than singing all them ridiculous, unnecessary. Vocal, a lot of them, they're just vocal exercises that people rip you off. They rip it off. I've been asked to teach people to sing who blatantly can't sing. And I could have charged them a load of money. I could have charged them £50 half an hour and, and pretended I can teach them to sing and give them vocal exercises. But I'm so against it. Somebody, I give people advice. I've been into schools and given people advice for nothing because, you know, and, and make, make them people who can't sing shut up. Stop having your parents telling you can <laughs> sing, hoping they'll make, you know, it's best telling them. No, are you good at anything else? Can you draw? That's the best thing, best advice I could give. <laughs> because some people they're just lying to you for either money or that you know, like if you've got a pretty face, sometimes it's better to stick to modelling or something else. Don't you don't have to sing? You know, you can't all be Cheryl Cole miming. 
<laughs> how, how hard was it to quit smoking? Well, I did it. With, I got an advice from a hooky's wife, actually. She told me um, there was this guy in Hebden Bridge, doesn't advertise, Dr. John Landale, doesn't advertise, but he helped Coldplay stop smoking. Could you smoke him as well? He helped Coldplay stop smoking. And Molly Sugden, from How You Being Served, uh, they were the only famous people she knew that it has uh, done. And it's called neuroacupuncture. And I don't know how it works. You put a thing in my ear and I stopped smoking. I had like loads of cigarettes from a duty free at home waiting for me. I had a box of cigs in the car. Never smoked again. I don't know how it works. A little thing in my ear. And he says, when you want one, play with it. And I never played with it. And then about a year later, I was with this guy who used to smoke a lot in Serbia. And I ended up buying a packet of cigs because I was drunk. And smoked again. And then I went to go and play with this thing in my ear and it had gone. So I went straight back to Hebden Bridge when I got back to the UK. And had another one put in, a suncture or something they're called. And it works again. So I've never smoked since. I just know I can never have another puff of one, never buy a pack. And honestly, it's over nine years. Never smoked. Yeah, so I've I've got a constant battle with trying to quit smoking. I go, I do well for a while, and then I then I do it again. So I'm trying. It's obviously now that things are opening back up. I suppose it's it's even more impressive for when you're touring around and, and yeah, the temptation there to smoke. Well, no, there is no the temptation when honestly when about five years ago, you know, because I used to go. To, well, I do go to Spain quite a lot. When you sat on the balcony having a drink and you think I'm missing something, it's a cigarette. But I, I'd stopped missing it about five years ago. Thank God. And um, I don't really, I don't probably don't go out with people who smoke as much um, all the time. I was with a chain smoker when I restarted smoking again. So I don't, I don't smoke. Um, I don't, yeah, and Bez doesn't smoke. A lot of my friends don't smoke now. I don't really go to people's houses if they sit in the house and smoke. Um, so there's nothing tempting about it. But really for me, it's, I never wanted to stop smoking. I loved it. And I loved even the what it did to my voice. But there was a time when my voice just wasn't, it just wasn't recovering from a late night at all. And people had stopped smoking in houses. People were smoking outside. And I just couldn't get rid of these sore throat all the time. So, um, yeah, since I've stopped smoking, I don't have them terrible coughs, you know. And I'm not getting, I'm not having to go outside in the freezing cold and have a cigarette because that's no good for a singer. So, yeah, it was purely because I'm a singer. As soon as I hit 40, I thought I need to start thinking about it. And luckily, I found somebody at the right time that, um, yeah, it stopped. And it's just, it's just been amazing. What my voice is, is just so, so much better for not smoking, really is. Did, did you just notice an improvement straight away? or No, because I was just worried it'd lose that smoky sound, which I like, and that yeah. grit in it. But it's still there, still got that. And it's just that you don't, I just don't have sore throats as much. I don't have coughs. Um, I don't have them tickly horrible coughs and catarrh and mucus and all that horrible stuff, uh, which is obviously from smoking and smoky atmosphere. It's just gone. Um, yes, I get a cold occasionally, but usually just once or twice a year, um, a sore throat. But I've never had to cancel a gig. Um, and yeah, I used to, I didn't use to cancel gigs, but I would struggle. I couldn't hear any notes when I had a sore throat. And late nights, you know, now early nights, it's really boring. Early nights, <laughs> no smoking, no nothing, no men. So boring. <laughs> Boring, well, but I can sing really, really well now. Well, that's 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 what we want. That's what we want to hear. Exactly. Um, Alison Rennie says, if you can pass on that I absolutely admire her vocals. The band I was in did a few Happy Mondays covers and was in awe of her powerful voice. Just oh. a general question of who inspired her to get singing back then. How did it all come about? Who else was on the scene that she sang for? And which bands or music inspire her now? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well... I, I didn't sing in the choir, I didn't sing at school. I got I wasn't allowed in the choir because I stood out too much when I auditioned. So um, then I was just into punk, really. So I didn't see myself as being a singer. 
But then there's a lady, she was uh, dying of cancer. My mum was working in the pub to get some extra money because I was at a private school. And it was just meant to be. This woman heard, overheard me singing a little bit and went, you need to get on the stage downstairs in this pub. And they did. And the audience just, with, lots of them stood up. They were saying they were getting goosebumps. I was only singing something like without thinking where I didn't know the words as well. And then I did a talent competition at Butlins. The same thing happened. Did a comedy song with a guitar. And again, people were saying there was something special about me and my voice. And that response from the audience, I just became absolutely hooked on. It's the biggest high when an audience loves you. You just feel this, just, and the emotion, the love that you get, it's, um, it doesn't compare with anything. You know, I get lots of love from, from people and my animals and whatever, but that love you get when you're on the stage. Um, and still, you know, not necessarily with Happy Mondays, but I'd sing a lot where people cry when I'm singing. Um, especially with orchestras and stuff, but you do see it, the emotion that it brings out of people. There's something special about that. It's a gift. None of my family sing, so it's definitely a gift. I don't think anybody inspired me to sing. Um, I, I mean, the singers are like, but it's, they've got nothing to do with why I sing um, in all different genres. Um, so I just, I love a lot of people's voices, but I don't go, I want to sing like that. And I think that's that's why I've got my own voice, my own different kind of voice, I think, because I don't try and copy anybody i think a lot of the young girls say there's loads of great singers and you see that in all these talent competitions that come up but there are a lot of them as trying to sound like leona lewis or trying to sound like amy winehouse nothing wrong with that because they're great singers but you're probably not going to be as good as those so maybe just just sing because you enjoy it think about the words rather than trying to sound like people is the advice i've given um but these, yeah i admire loads and loads of women singers I'd, I'd be here all day of all different genres from debbie harry um, to Aretha Franklin, obviously, um, Aretha Franklin is an obvious one, but I like singers that a lot of people, Esther Ephraim is one of my favorite singers, and she's um, a Jewish lady who's an, an amazing when she was young, she's one of my favorite singers. But Gladys Knight, I love, but there's loads, loads and loads and loads of brilliant, brilliant singers. And um, just, just try and have your own voice, though, and try not to sound like people. Well, there's so many yeah. tribute bands at the moment trying to sound like people, and it's just, it's just a shame that they never made it on their own. Some, there's some great talent. Uh, it's a shame they can't be original. Yeah, it seems to be that there's this um, there's this one voice that a lot of young singers do in talent shows and stuff. They all seem to have a same sound. I suppose there's nothing wrong if you're like maybe if you're a teenager and you're maybe aspiring to be a singer and maybe you do have that Wayne Amy Winehouse uh, voice or whatever. You're inspired by someone, but it is all about having your own unique voice. And yeah, did you did you feel like you, you? I mean, obviously you've probably got the most famous voice in the UK that I can think of. Did did you did you did it take you a while to find your own voice as well? Or no, just no. That's what I'm saying. I didn't even try. I just had this voice that I was told in the choir. I can't be in the choir because I stand out too much. But I never tried to change it to blend in with the choir. So I didn't try to blend in. So I've always had this voice that doesn't really sound like anybody else. So that's why when I get sampled, my voice, people don't always all know it's me, but it, I have got one of those voices. I hear myself on the radio and I go, they've, they've sampled me. Spot it straight away because I've got a distinctive voice. But it's because I didn't try to be like anyone. And I, But Amy Winehouse was inspired by a lot of the singers from the 60s, but she had her own sound, her own voice. I think it's something about Jewish singers. And my mum was Jewish, so maybe it's that in my voice. I don't know, because as one of the singers I mentioned before, Esther Ifram, I might have said the name wrong, but she's one of my favourite singers. She's a Jewish, got this Jewish voice, and it's like, the voice, the voice it comes from nothing, but very, very, you know, like Amy Winehouse, all the words, you really feel what she's singing about. And that's what I think the difference for me between Amy Winehouse and some other singers, yes, she's got a brilliant voice, but a lot of people have got brilliant voices. She just really tells a story well, 
and sings it beautifully with the most gorgeous melodies. Ian Curtis does that also, actually. Incredible, because I've sung a lot of Ian Curtis with um, Hooky back in the day, uh, doing Joy Division songs. And I didn't realise until I sang the songs, his melodies and the way he sings them and his lyrics are just incredible. And so I'd be more apt to probably try and sing like Ian Curtis than other people, because I'm not trying to sing like him. I mean, by portraying the words the way he does, um, where you can really feel them when he's in pain. And when Amy Winehouse was in pain or going through something, you can tell by the way she sings. And I think when I sing something that really, if I've written it or if, if a line just hits me during a night as I'm singing something, you can tell by my voice that I mean it. I, I do it quite a lot with You've Got the Love, it's a song I sing quite a bit. And you can tell at the moment during all this pandemic and stuff, when I've come back and I've sung it. Again, that's one that gets a lot of people crying. I think it's on an advert at the moment, actually, for Rouse Honey. So, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the way you reach people. And that's that's um, all I've ever wanted to do with me singing. Because I, I do that, it's just that, if I didn't get that response I got from when I'm singing, where people are touched by you singing and they feel it, then I, I think it'd just be like a bit robotic for me and, and not important. Even with the Mondays, I, I sing my little heart out with feeling them words or it brings back memories. It, it's always meant something because um, obviously I've been in it for 30 years, so in that band, so it means a lot to me, all of it. And just um, just as, just before before we go as well, just talking about the the, the new music because uh, I know that you've you've got a, a cracking tune on Spotify, Feel the Rush uh, with Pool House. Yeah, that's out now. I've got loads, loads to be honest. I've got loads and loads coming was it, out. Was it, was it was it just um, was it quite a productive streak you were on? Obviously being locked down because you couldn't go out and do your normal live gigs, just sort of working on new music uh, from, yeah. from home. We're not just me, it's everybody. So people that I wouldn't normally probably be able to work with because they'd be on tour. Salado, Oliver Heldens, Todd Terry, really huge names within the house and dance music industry. Um, these are like the legendary, some of them like Todd Terry and stuff. Um, so I'm work, I've been working with them because they're not on tour either. Everybody's in the same boat. Um, but I've got a lot of, I've got this one with Pool House, that one, one with a guy called Vax. He's out this week called Nightlife. Um, he's Canadian. But um, from all around the world, I've got lots and lots of tunes coming out, and I'm really, really proud of that. And, yeah, uh, the Deep Shakers, there's another one they're coming out soon. But I've also got something coming out with um, Gaz Cobain, Amorphous Androgynous, Paul Weller and I are singing. Wow. Paul Weller and me, Noel Gallagher's on drums and bass, wow. Steve Craddock's on guitar. So, yeah, Kate Bush's nephew's on violin, So and there's an orchestra <laughs> involved in that as well. This is this is coming out really soon. It's um, Gaz Cobain who's producing it all. He's gone off. I've seen the artwork, so it's nearly there. Um, but he's gone for gone off for a month to listen to all the mixes, and then, and I think we're nearly at the end of that month. So hopefully before Christmas, I'm hoping he did promise it'd be out this year. So that'll be amazing with um, yeah, me, Paul Weller on vocals, and loads and loads of other amazing people playing the music. That is, that is like a, a dream team super band right there. Yeah, it is. It, it is. But it, but it started three years ago, so it's been a long way. But um, the, the project that was coming out before Archie, that's been and gone now. So this is, it's, it, this, the time is almost. It was, I thought it was going to be about a month ago, but he said, let me go away for a month. When he sent me the artwork, I thought, it's coming. But he said, let me just go away for a month. And he's right, really. So I've not listened to the final mixes, but he said it could end up being a 40-minute single. Not 14, four, zero-minute single. 
That's how good it is because he doesn't know what to cut out. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's called Crossing Over or Mantra. That's a working title. I'm not sure which it's going to be called, but um, with it's the amorphous androgynous. So look out for that. A lot of people will know him from Future Sound of London, Papua New Guinea. Amazing tune. So Amazing. And it, so it's, is, is, is Spotify the best place for people to keep up with what you're up, all these tunes that are coming out? Or? Well, they're for streaming, but be, well, your best bet is Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. To I always post what's up next or when it's out and the gigs I do with the Mondays. Just any social media. But um, yeah, I'm on it all. But um, yeah, Spotify if you like to stream. Beatport if you like to download or track source if you like to download um but yeah there's usually links though on my facebook my twitter and my instagram and i do happy mondays as well so um yeah you can get us all on there but i do try and keep it updated most mornings i get up about six in the morning walk my dogs and get on and post what i'm up to that week and um, all the mondays are up to or whatever's coming out in my house music so yeah you can always get me on social media i don't always reply to direct messages though so don't be sending any any pictures of your willies or anything like that <laughs> And what's next then? What's the next gig to look forward to? Next gig is Sign of the Times with the Mondays in Hertfordshire. We just actually did one in Hertfordshire on Saturday. So we're back there again on Friday. And then I'm doing a private party for the people who run Kendall Calling. So that's in a field that's on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, Bank Holiday, I'll be in Brighton um, with um, a load of house heads and um, soul heads. So it's going to be really, really good. A place called Block Voodoo Disco, a guerrilla movements launch party. So yeah, that's Brighton. Bank holiday weekends, that'll be good. I love, love Brighton. Uh, Brighton is amazing. I, I, I've been, I played the Brighton Fringe a couple of times just to do some, some spoken word stuff, and it was, it's just a great place to go. It is. Very ch- chilled vibes. Uh, well, well, thank you very much, Robert. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking today. I, um, I thank you so much. I'll hopefully see you on the uh, 30th of November. Yeah. Happy Mondays at the Hydro. Are you, are you coming up to Scotland for anything else? I'm hoping I'm hoping to. Honestly, just sorting out dates at the moment. A lot of things have been clashing, so everyone's rescheduling. I was hoping to get to Scotland before I do the Hydro, to be honest, on my own to do a club night. But I'm, And also there might be something, because I, I think there's one in Sunderland, but Sunderland and maybe Scotland on the same day. But, you know, I'm not going to announce it because it probably won't happen because it's too many date clashes. No, it's just too difficult to get from once and make sure you're on stage in time and these... Now there's curfews everywhere as well. So if I'm on stage at nine in one place, I'm going to make it before, you know, anyway. So, but I'll be there. I'll be back. I'll be back next year, loads. I do love Scotland. And Edinburgh, I've not been to for ages. I've got loads of friends up there. Hello to everybody. Darren Glasgow from Edinburgh and Irene Taylor from Edinburgh. Um, but I do have a lot of good friends up there. So, yeah. And all my mates in Glasgow, I love you all. Well, thank you. Glasgow loves you, Rueta. Thank you very thank much you. for your time. Good luck You're welcome. stuff everyone. Check out Rueta on all the social media platforms and we'll see you on the 30th of November at the Hydro for the Happy Mondays. And James, that's... You call that radio. You call that radio TV. This is... You call that radio?